This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year. At the stroke of midnight on that great holiday, gonna have a ball and that ain't all gonna chase the blues away. I'll be bringing in a brand new year, bringing in a brand new year. Gonna have a dance, take a chance of romance while bringing in a brand new year. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border And politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led I've gotta be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn UN Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn into guns Always ask for more All we buy is made on foreign shores Come a day when there'll be real hell pay I've gotta be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very happy to be winding down the year of 2021 with each and every one of you fine folks out there listening. Thank you so much for being here, as always. I am both humbled and honored, and I continue to uh, to thank you so very much for not only uh, listening, but for hanging around long enough and keeping coming back, because a lot of you do indeed do exactly that. So thank you very much. Uh, for those of you that are listening on uh, terrestrial radio to the rebroadcast of uh, the show, 
just so that you're aware, the uh, time of the broadcast is December 29th, 2021. Uh, we, we're almost there, guys. We are very, very close uh, now. Just a couple of days left uh, before we are officially in 2022. Uh, as a... East Tennessean and a big fan of the University of Tennessee. We're looking forward to a big bowl game tomorrow. Uh, uh, Tomorrow, as of the time of the live broadcast, whenever you hear this, it may, of course, may have already been played for, (laughs) depending on when you're listening. Uh, But yeah, uh, rain or shine, uh, uh, come uh, Hades or high water, win and lose or draw, uh, just so very happy with the balls and the turnaround that they've had this season. It's been phenomenal. And uh, you know what? Uh, Tennessee actually uh, has some boasting, uh, bragging rights to go to the, the first uh, school, the only school this year that uh, has had uh, four major sports that uh, are part of postseason play uh, in uh, 2021. So, you know, very very uh, good year for University of Tennessee Athletics. So uh, uh, the good guys in orange continue to uh, get it done on the field and on the court. And uh, more importantly for those guys, in the classroom. And uh, that's how you know they're a class program. Uh, Not trying to knock anybody else, not saying there's not uh, great programs in other places, just saying this season, uh, this year, uh, a lot of reasons to be proud of the good guys in orange. That's that's all. And uh, certainly looking forward to the opportunity to uh, uh, slide out of the day job a little early as uh, the bosses have been kind enough to give that opportunity to the folks as we've managed to wind down and get things squared away so that we can and, and sneak out uh, uh, early enough that we can I'll get to a a nice location of our choice to sit back and watch the volunteers clash with a Big Ten matchup. It should be be phenomenal and practically a home game since it's Music City Bowl and all that. But anyway, uh, let's get to the show today, shall we? This isn't a sports talk show, although, you know, at some point, uh, I might not be bad to occasionally engage in a little sports talk. Uh, I think that would be fun. Uh, may may even do that at, at some point, but uh, this is where you come for a little East Tennessee flavor uh, when it comes to conservative politics, and uh, there's no shortage of things to discuss uh, in that uh, arena. Uh, we haven't had a slow news day, I don't believe, uh, since Donald John Trump decided to announce his intentions to run for president uh, a little while ago. And, uh, you know, we, we've just had a breakneck pace of political news since uh, since the orange man who's bad, the uh, kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, uh, since he decided to throw his hat in the ring and stay with it and managed to get elected and then uh, for four years uh, just kept blowing things up left and right when it comes to the leftist narratives, ideas, and concepts, as well as sidestepping the landmines of the efforts made by the leftists that trying to impeach him, uh, even going so far as to making up phony stuff, and still proceeded to go after him. And I have yet to hear any type of repercussions that may be happening to the folks on the left. And the fun part is uh, Joe Biden, barely there, Beijing Biden, uh, the pee pads part of Operation 
pee pads and knee pads, a.k.a. the Biden-Harris administration, uh, they haven't slowed down either because everything that Trump had going that was good, these guys came in and smashed it all to Hades as quick as they could. And, man, I mean, I knew it was going to be bad, but and I know I've said this already, but but it's true. I still can't believe how quickly they managed to turn things so so very bad. And so there we are right now. It's insane. But uh, an interesting piece of news coming from uh, Joe Biden. He uh, he accidentally let a little truth slip out. He was uh, on a conference call with some governors and you know what? He he told a basic fundamental truth. And that is when it comes to COVID, there is no federal solution. It's going to have to come at the state level. If you're abiding by the Constitution like he's supposed to, uh, then you know that. So Joe had one of those rare moments of clarity, and he accidentally let some truth slip out. And, you know, he's been getting hammered from both sides since then. And uh, I think it's very interesting. We've had some very vocal folks, particularly a certain governor from a certain North Dakota who uh, is using that statement as grounds for demanding an end to all COVID restrictions at the federal level, uh, of all mandates and and mask requirements and, and all the thing from a federal level, because uh, Joe has admitted it's not really their place. So I find that interesting, but I, I don't know that it's worth a lot of time discussing about it, because at the end of the day, it's something we already knew. It's something that we had already been discussing. We had spoken of this on air. You and I together, I on the microphone and you listening uh, to the podcast through whatever device you use or on the radio. Uh, if you're listening at great stations across the country, stations like uh, KYAH, Utah's Talk Authority over there at 540 AM. You know, it, it's, it doesn't matter where you were listening at. We have had this discussion, boys and girls. We've known. So, you know. No big deal there. Uh, I think it's still a much bigger deal that, uh, strangely enough, there's still a lot of conversation going on uh, with one of the topics that we spoke about when last we got together. And that's this guy who called in uh, during the Christmas NORAD tracking of Santa event and uh, said, let's go, Brandon. And, and Joe Biden agreed with him and said, yeah, yeah, yeah let's go, Brandon. I agree. Uh, a lot of folks are still talking about this, but very few people, and, and I will admit this actually came up in a conversation today at the day job, so I finally got my health in order well enough to, to go back. The fever is finally gone. still feel kind of rough, and you can probably hear it in my voice if you listen, uh, and you've listened to enough broadcasts, you can kind of tell I'm still a little nasally and occasionally having to, to take a, an extended break to catch my breath a little, but uh, but uh, the fever's gone, and uh, I'm feeling better. I'm back on the mend. I'm, I'm getting where I need to be. Uh, at least I think so. Uh, at any rate, um, you know, we, we had a conversation today, and, and it continues to boggle my mind why more people haven't made this point, especially pundits. Because at the end of the day, no matter how you feel about let's go, Brandon, as a chant or mantra or philosophy, no matter how you feel about the F Joe Biden that initially uh, predated let's go, Brandon, 
no matter uh, if you're some uber leftist who wants to equate chanting let's go Brandon is the same thing as uh, dog whistling for uh, getting together and using coded language as we plot the insurrection. Uh, yeah, legitimately, if you haven't heard, there's some folks on MSNBC and CNN that are both claiming that on roundtable discussions. Oh, that's just insurrectionist talk. Nah. Doesn't matter if you buy this dad's excuse that he was just trying to express some frustration, that he doesn't uh, even dislike Joe Biden. He just just trying to express the situation. At the end of the day, the one thing that's really, really not been pointed out, I haven't heard it anywhere. Now, if it's been out there, uh, hat tip to whoever, and apologies for having missed it, but, you know, this really wasn't the format or the occasion for that discussion. Uh, Now, granted, it's really hard for somebody to get to speak with Joe Biden uh, they go out of their way to, to keep him from talking to even reporters in the uh, uh, the pool uh, that, they, that they don't want him speaking to. They try to keep him from calling on the Fox News reporters, and they definitely don't want him calling on Newsmax or uh, One American News. They try to keep him uh, – definitely keep him away from those guys. They don't want Joe Biden talking to a lot of people, especially unscripted, unprepared, somebody they haven't handpicked. So you don't get very many opportunities, but this was an occasion – where you actually did get to speak directly to Joe Biden, who probably it doesn't hurt for him to hear where the American people are at with this. He's not above criticism, and he should hear it. But it's not the right venue uh, when he's doing the NORAD Santa tracking thing. This this is supposed to be lighthearted fun for small children, and that's kind of where it is. Now, I, you, we can have the debate all day whether or not the sitting president of the United States and the first lady should be involved with that. Uh, we can sit and have the discussion whether NORAD should uh, spend any time working on this at all. I mean, I'm open to those discussions. I don't necessarily disagree with it. I do tend to think that NORAD's tracking of Santa uh, is fun and that it's not a terrible thing. Uh, I, I don't necessarily have an opposition to it, but I don't necessarily think it's the best use of our resources either. So, I mean, I would be open to having that discussion with folks who wanted to have it, but that's not the point. The point of the matter is that they do it. They've been doing a version of this for quite a while now. And for somebody to call in and and basically uh, say F Joe Biden to Joe Biden's face, well, over the phone directly to him, not necess- not really to his face. You, you you know what I mean. But to do that in that circumstance, that it just wasn't the right. Uh, it wasn't the right platform. Wasn't the right occasion. And I think it's just one more sign of how little respect we now have for one another. I mean, forget about respect for the office of president. Just you know, just forget about it. That's been gone for a while now. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure exactly when that downward slide really started hitting hard. Some point around Nixon, I think. But it is clearly a case where the American people in general have very little, if any, respect for the office anymore. 
Because, I mean, it used to be the case where no matter how you felt about the individual holding the office, you would still behave with a certain level of decorum, not in the interest of the individual who was setting in said office, but for the office itself. It's like the office of president of the United States is worthy of the respect that if you're going to have that conversation, you at the very least wait until it's an appropriate venue. And beyond that, if you really wanted to express your frustrations, then it probably would have been more appropriate, although still totally not appropriate, but slightly more appropriate to simply said something more along the lines of uh, Merry Christmas to you guys too, but I do hope you're planning on trying to, to work a little bit better on some policies to make it easier for all of us to enjoy this Christmas and, and our upcoming new year, because so far things have been pretty bad and it looks like everything you've done has been worse. You know, Something that is critical, truthful, and honest, and yet respectful, not for the benefit of Joe Biden personally, not for the benefit of Dr. Jill, not for the benefit of Kamala, not for the benefit of anybody else, but simply out of respect for the office, simply out of recognizing that that's not the right time, right place, right platform. There was a time when we inherently understood that. Even if we knew we'd never get another chance to talk directly to him, we would let that go, we would bite our bottom lip. And we didn't do that out of weakness. We didn't do it out of lack of spine. We would do that simply out of respect for the office. Because we understood that the President of the United States should be expected to behave with a certain level of dignity, and that in return, we should treat him with a certain level of dignity. Now, I think we do tend to get a little confused sometimes what the difference is between uh, allowing the president's personality to shine through, allowing the president to have his unique style, especially if it's a style that works, with not being dignified. But See, the problem is... The left, especially if they're looking at, you know, the, the orange man who was bad, that, that guy. When the left looked at uh, Donald, they thought literally everything he did was uncivilized and uh, uncouth. And, and those were the nicest things he did. They didn't believe the man had an ounce of dignity. And, you know, the primary reason they didn't believe that is because he didn't pull punches when he called them out for their BS. And it's really hard to hear the truth when you've been living in an echo chamber. And sadly, for most of the folks on the left, that's typically where you're at. You're living in that echo chamber. You're rarely coming out. Now, it's not just the folks on the left. A lot of us over here on the right, a lot of us hang out in our echo chambers, too. You know, we, we rarely come out and try to really listen to what the left has to say. And and I will I will tell you a very scary thought, and that is every now and then somebody who typically identifies as being on the left Every now and then, they'll still have a legitimately good idea that can be incorporated into something useful. Now, it's usually by accident, and they had no idea. Okay, I will grant you that. But the point of the matter is, you never even know if you don't occasionally poke your head out of the echo chamber and listen to what they have to say. So, at any rate, I'm still a little surprised at how much everybody's still talking about the story. Uh, and uh, kind of surprised that 
nobody has discussed that part of the story. I think that's something worthy of discussion and something that we all need to take a look at and kind of decide moving forward. Do we all just want to be bomb throwers and no longer make an effort at all to reach the folks that are kind of in the middle, that have been victimized by uh, the indoctrination, that have been victimized by lack of media choices, uh, or maybe simply have been too busy uh, to even pay enough attention to realize that the legacy media has become little more than a leftist, a globalist leftist propaganda machine as opposed to somebody that's simply reporting the news. And, uh, some of those people you could reach if you didn't just resort to throwing bombs and calling names and yeah, I, there are a lot of folks that have traditionally listened to the show, especially back uh, when we were doing a live broadcasts and would have the chat room open, uh, that would often tell me whenever I talked about trying to reach out to folks that are kind of in the middle, slightly left of center kind of folks. It's like, nope, they're on the wrong side. They're the enemy. Uh, they want to destroy us. We need to destroy them. There was no room for reaching out. There was no room for the idea that eventually the pendulum is going to swing so far to the left that a lot of the folks that are only slightly left of center are going to start to say, hey, guys, I uh, I agree with some of what you're saying, but you're taking it way too far, and you're just flat out not American anymore with some of those ideas there. See, that's when you can build bridges and, and make friends and make political allies with folks that typically wouldn't be. And I think that's a good thing. But then again, what do I know? I'm just a little old hillbilly down here in the foothills of East Tennessee hanging out, uh, chewing some some tall and uh, spitting the, uh, back and you know, uh, you know, all that stuff, because that's what I do, or <laughs> something like that, anyway. All right, let's uh, sneak in another story here before we get to the halfway point of the uh, hour. Uh, Miss Ghislaine Maxwell, you, you, you remember Miss Maxwell. We've talked a little bit about her. She's been on trial for just a little while now. Now, for those of you that do need a refresher, that's Jeffrey Epstein's former girlfriend, well, on the 29th, that was today, time of the live broadcast, she, uh, she got to hear the jury's verdict in her sex trafficking trial. Now, I'll remind you that she's actually been on trial in Manhattan federal court since late November. And it took us to this point, just a few days before the new year, to get this uh, jury's verdict. And the jury did, in fact, reach a guilty verdict in the sex trafficking trial. The jury found Maxwell guilty on five of six counts, including conspiracy to entice individuals under 17 to travel and interstate commerce with intent to engage in illegal sexual activity. Conspiracy to transport individuals under 17 to travel in interstate commerce with intent to engage in illegal sexual activity. Transport, that's the same uh, charge, but a different count. Uh, transportation of an individual under 17 with intent to engage in illegal sexual uh, activity. Conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of individuals under 18 and sex trafficking 
of an individual under 18. Uh, slightly different charges that she was also hit with. Now, she's expected to appear for sentencing uh, at a later date that has not been set as of the time of this broadcast. Maxwell has been on trial in Manhattan in federal court since late November, like I mentioned earlier, uh, on the charges of recruiting minor girls, as young as 13 in some cases, for Epstein to sexually abuse and in some cases personally participating in the sexual abuse. Epstein, of course, was found dead in his Manhattan jail cell back in August of 2019, where he didn't kill himself before a well-connected uh, and wealthy financier uh, could go on trial for his alleged decades of grooming and sexual abuse, including rape of young girls in the 1990s and early 2000s. So uh, Maxwell, who spent her 60th birthday in jail on this past Saturday is charged with eight counts related to the sex trafficking of minors over a decade-long period between 1994 and 2004, including sex trafficking of a minor, enticing a minor to travel, to engage in illicit sex acts, and transporting a minor with the intent to engage in criminal sexual activity. A separate later trial will consider two perjury charges against the British socialite. Maxwell, of course, had pled not guilty to all counts. The charges against her carry up to 70 years in prison. And earlier this month, Maxwell opted not to testify herself in her own defense at her trial, probably the smartest thing she could do. The prosecution and defense gave her closing arguments last week on a Monday as the trial entered its fourth week just before Christmas. Over the course of the trial, the prosecution painted a picture of a pair of fully grown adults, Maxwell and Epstein, who were partners in crime and had a playbook for targeting minors and sexually abusing them. Maxwell was dangerous, quoting here, by the way. She was a grown woman who preyed upon vulnerable kids. That was the assistant U.S. Attorney General Allison Moe in the closing arguments. Now, Maxwell and Epstein's horrifying crimes caused deep and lasting harm to young girls, according to Bo. Now, the defense, of course, attempted to cast doubt on the credibility of Maxwell's accusers, saying that the women have contaminated memories of their abuse. The defense also tried to assign selfish motives to nearly all of the government's witnesses, saying the women are motivated by money and going after Maxwell decades after the alleged abuse occurred. Over the course of the trial, the jury heard from four of Maxwell's accusers, several former Epstein employees, a psychologist specializing in sexual abuse, and a memory expert that Maxwell's defense called, among others. Now, one of Maxwell's accusers, a woman testifying under the pseudonym Jane, Jane testified that Epstein and Maxwell abused her together when she was just 14 years old. Maxwell took her on shopping trips, asked her about her life, and discussed sexual topics with her. Three other women who said they were groomed or abused by Maxwell also testified. A woman testifying under the name Kate 
told the court that Maxwell set up meetings for girls to give Epstein sexualized massages. Another woman, Carolyn, uh, testifying under her first name, said that she was 14 when Maxwell touched her breast and behind and told her she had a great body for Epstein and his friends. Now, Annie Farmer, the one who said this, testifying under her real full name, last testified on Friday and uh, said Maxwell massaged her naked breast when she was 16. Meanwhile, Maxwell fostered a culture of silence, working as his lady of the house and taking care of his multiple residents, making hiring and firing decisions regarding this his staff, and laying down strict rules for them, uh, all of this according to the prosecutors. Now, the trial prompts speculation that incriminating information could potentially come to light about some of the high-profile names connected to Epstein. You know, folks like Bill Gates, uh, Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., uh, George Mitchell, former U.S. Senator, in case you're not familiar. However, the trial actually revealed little new information about Epstein's circle of friends. The only one that they really wanted to focus on was, surprise, surprise, the orange man who's bad. Now, here's my problem with all of that. Maxwell's role in this little scenario has been severely underplayed. Told you before, I have very good sources uh, that uh, Maxwell uh, Maxwell was part of the intel community, in particular the uh, counterintelligence community, that her father had been, and uh, her father had groomed her to work in intel, and that Epstein was little more than a front person for their organization, for their efforts. Now, whether or not they were officially working for a government or if they were blackmailing these folks for their own purposes, that still remains unclear and probably will at this point because some very powerful people are looking to keep their names out of people's mouths. Some very powerful people don't want people like me telling you who they are. And, you know, considering the kind of things that they got on them, I don't blame them. But there are some easier ways to avoid being connected with something like this. Uh, first and foremost, uh, don't do anything like flying down on the Layla Express to Pedophile Island. Once everybody in this inner circle is familiar with what they call it, you know not to go, or at least you should. I mean, even if you don't believe it, you don't take the chance that at some point somebody says, oh, yeah, they were on the plane that one day, and while I never saw them doing anything, hey, you know what happens on that island, right? Seems like reasonable precaution to me. And for the same reason, folks like Mike Pence will not be in a room alone with a woman that's not his wife. Doesn't matter if nothing happens at all, what matters is the perception of what's possible. What matters is what happens when somebody makes the accusation and it becomes nothing more than a he said, she said. Does the guy ever get the benefit of the doubt in a situation like that? Not often.
often. And usually, they probably don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Because if you weren't looking to get yourself in a situation like that, why do you allow yourself to be in a situation like that? Whatever happened to the good old days when people were expected to be, you know, accountable for their own actions and accountable for the decisions they make? Ah, those were the good old days. All right, it's a little past the halfway point of the first hour, so let's get to that first break. You guys, uh, please don't go anywhere. I'll be back on the other side. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy New Year. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest, yes, the merriest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest, you cheer. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest New Year. May your tree be filled with happiness, happiness and friendliness for all. May your heart be filled with cheerfulness, happiness and cheerfulness for all. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest, you'll cheer, and the happiest. According to popular legend, John Hancock signed his name largely and distinctly to the Declaration of Independence so King George could read it without spectacles. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, Mr. Hancock put his life on the line with that signature. All 56 signers knew the risk and were willing to take it. A few months before signing the Declaration, Patrick Henry addressed the Virginia Convention, stating, We are not weak if we make proper use of those means which God hath placed in our power. Besides, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations and who will raise up friends who will fight our battles for us. As I observe our beleaguered republic today, I sometimes wonder if we the people will have the faith in God needed to strengthen our resolve to fight until the war for righteous liberty and against tyranny is finally won. I'm Ron Edwards. If you want the best coffee ever, simply go to theronedwards.com and place your Christmas order now for Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877 877- 
vet. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through this very brief break. It is I, your humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rowan County, Tennessee. We are back in action, ready to rock and roll. And, of course, you just heard from Ron Edwards. You just heard from Dan Perkins. And now you're going to hear from me about something that I meant to get to in the last broadcast and did not. I've been trying to double up on the uh, affiliates uh, where I'm sending you in the direction. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you the same four this week that I did last week, but I'm going to start with the one that I accidentally left off in the second hour because I got so caught up in the discussion, so caught up in the, the, the topic that we were talking about. And so then I'm going to bring to you this very clear-cut pitch. If you're anything at all like me, um, once you get past Christmas, you're ready for things to start heating back up. You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of the cold. I'm just not, and I find myself as I as I creep uh, higher and higher in the uh, number of years that I've been on the planet. I find my tolerance for cold becoming less and less. So while I would love to get a little bit of snow for Christmas, once that opportunity passes, I'm done. You know, I'm I'm ready for spring and. Nothing really gets me started thinking about spring more than camping and outdoor activities. And so I start thinking about two of the fine, fine folks that I have an affiliation with. First and foremost, Fire and Flavors. Now, Fire and Flavors is a great, great company. If you're not familiar with them, uh, please check out the link in the show description. Go visit them. And again, I, I, I would ask that after you check it out, if you decide at some point you're going to make a purchase, please again use the link that I'm providing so that they know I sent you. But even if you don't, if you'll just use the link I sent you, the more of you guys that will just stop by and visit, they're still monitoring. They still know that that's uh, traffic coming from me, and that might at some point help turn them from an affiliate to a sponsor. So you still have a chance to help me, even if you're not going to make a purchase. But I would highly recommend you check out Fire and Flavor. Uh, their top-selling item is the Hero Grill System. It's a small, self-contained, easy-to-travel uh, grill. You can take it with you, uh, whether you're uh, going camping or just going to hang out at a, a local park and you just want a little bit of grilling action that maybe doesn't have anything like that it's not hard to move these around and they've got all kinds of accessories that go great with them i I could tell you all about them but honestly you will find out so much more about them if you just go visit 
fire and flavors. Check out the Hero Griddle system. Check out all the other great stuff, the flavors, the the rubs, the sauces, the seasonings, uh, the the various uh, items for smoking, uh, everything they've got. There's a ton of things, uh, and they're eco-friendly to boot. So there's not a lot I can sell you on that they can't do a much better job of. So I'm just going to ask you, check out the link that's in the show description. Uh, Go give them a visit. Uh, You might decide you want to get something from them. It's never too early to start planning for spring. And in that process, like I said, at the very least, I'm asking every one of you to, to at least just go visit the site using the link. And if you're listening on the radio, you don't have the show description available right there. If you're not listening to the podcast, then later on, at some point when it's reasonable, uh, if you wouldn't mind taking a quick trip over to Tap Into The Truth, that's T-A-P-P, IntoTheTruth.com, and uh, click on one of the banners for Fire and Flavor that's on the homepage. It's right there, and it'll do the same thing for me. And I would greatly appreciate it. It's a big-time favor. I know it's a big ask. But with all the time most of you guys spend online anyway, eh, what's a few seconds to help out the show? All right. And the other thing that I think about when it comes to the outdoor material goes back to how do I keep my drinks cold? Well, with blue coolers, of course. Uh, Blue coolers, I've been uh, trying to talk you guys into making a purchase with those guys for a little while now. Uh, Molded, high-quality, best coolers you're going to find out there. They have all the same high quality of those other guys. You know the ones with the name of the uh, Himalayan Sasquatch. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, Only at uh, right about half the cost. So if you can get high quality and save money... It's a no-brainer, right? So again, uh, check out the uh, the full link. Just copy that link in its entirety, paste it into your uh, browser, and, and go visit. And even if you don't buy anything, uh, keep hitting that link and keep going back and looking uh, periodically. It would still help me out uh, very much at some point, uh, hoping that we can move from mere affiliate where I don't get anything at all unless you guys make a purchase using that link to sponsor. Now, I would love to get some sponsors so that I could move on to uh, uh, getting paid to do that without having to worry about how many total sales. But you see, the thing is about that is they still expect results, meaning I've got to generate a lot of traffic. So uh, help me out with that, guys. Come on, just, just, just go visit. You might be surprised at what you decide you want to buy while you're there. But even if you don't, just go visit, check it out. They're constantly running new deals. They're constantly running new breaks, uh, percentages, free shipping. Uh, so check them out. It's great products. I, I, I guarantee you the quality is undeniable. I love my blue cooler. Uh, I, I ran my own experiment. I can only tell you anecdotally that I got better than the uh, 10 days that they guarantee out of keeping a bag of ice uh, at least partially frozen. Uh, they did much better. All right, anyway, let's move on to the next topic, shall we? Uh, That's enough of me trying to shamelessly plug and generate some cash flow for myself. Uh, (laughs) Although, if you want to help the show, that's a great way to do it, because uh, I'm just saying, you end up with something that you really want, and uh, nothing really changes except uh, you help support the show. It's a win-win, guys. It's a win-win. All right. Now, uh, in case you're one of the people that was living under a rock when this story came out, uh, the National Institutes of Health got caught up in a bit of an animal cruelty uh, controversy. 
seems that uh, they were paying for research for experiments that were being done on some beagle puppies. And they did some rather harsh and unkind things. Well, there's some more news related to that story. And if you're an animal lover, especially if you're a dog lover, uh, this is something I think you need to know. Because these are the kind of people you're dealing with when it comes to the NIH. Oh, oh yeah, by the way, uh, remember who's in charge of the NIH? Yeah, a certain Dr. Anthony Fauci. Okay, so at some point he had to greenlight this. That's all I'm saying. All right, so the uh, National Institutes of Health spent... million buying beagle puppies for experimentation from a Virginia-based breeding bill, which is now currently under federal investigation for its cruel living conditions. This according to multiple reports. Now, was this a reputation that this puppy mill already had? Well, even if it wasn't, if they're calling it a puppy mill, Doesn't that let you know everything you need to know? Can you possibly imagine a puppy mill of any kind where you don't see terrible, deplorable conditions? I've I've never seen one. Now, people for the ethical treatment of animals, PETA, well, they detailed a number of allegations of cruel behavior at the breeding mill. uh, And... uh, this company that actually owns the mill, while this particular one's based in Virginia, the company is in Indianapolis. Uh, they raise animals for sale to pharmaceutical and biotechnology research companies. Uh, and in an investigation published to uh, the PETA website, uh, they wrote the following. <clears throat> Well, let let me touch on some generalities first. Now, the report alleges that the beagles were kept in large sheds hundreds at a time. The sheds were reportedly louder than the average rock concert when many of the dogs barked at the same time. And the constant noise caused ear injuries and often led to fights which further injured the dogs. PETA's investigators further found more than 350 puppies dead over the course of their investigation, uh, according to the report. Now, many of these puppies allegedly died from being crushed by their mothers, being eviscerated by accidental falls into the drains of their cages, by infections, uh, or by exposure to the elements. Other puppies were allegedly euthanized by injecting solution into their hearts while the puppies were still conscious. The report also alleges that the dogs were routinely uh, sprayed with high-pressure hoses, leaving them soaking wet and causing food to rot repeatedly. Staffers at this facility who reportedly did not have veterinary training Veterinarian training. Let me enunciate it. I don't know how that sounded, but it didn't sound right in my ear. So, these staffers were routinely tasked with diagnosing and performing surgical or medical operations on the dogs without proper anesthetics or pain relief medications. There's a video that accompanies the report. It shows graphic footage of staff members inserting a hypodermic needle into the swollen head of a puppy in an attempt to drain fluid while the puppy yelps loudly in pain. 
The video also shows staff members spraying the dogs with high-pressure hoses, along with multiple images of dead puppies found in cages. Furthermore, the video allegedly shows supervisors at the facility refusing to comply with and complaining about federal regulations. Now, I'm going to take a moment to pause right there with the understanding that sometimes videos like this can be misleading. And it is very, very easy to take the worst possible things you find and present them like it's the common event. So, in an effort to offer up the benefit of the doubt, well, I don't think they deserve the benefit of the doubt. But in an effort to at least sound like I'm trying to be fair, you know, quasi-journalistic, I just want to take a moment to, to let you hear somebody say that out loud. Because I'm sure that's the kind of defense that's going to be uh, laid out. Anyway, the Washington Post reported this past Sunday that the parent company over in Indianapolis was under investigation by the U.S. Department of Agriculture over the summer. Reported that uh, that investigation found dozens of federal animal welfare violations. The federal investigation confirmed a number of the allegations in the PETA investigation. So, whoop, whoop, sorry, looks like that uh, attempt to offer up some journalistic neutrality uh, might have just been a wasted effort. Usually when it comes to PETA, uh, I, I'm a member of PETA myself, but it's a different PETA group. Uh, it's not the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals. I'm uh, part of the other PETA, you know, the one that's people uh, eating tasty animals. That, that's the PETA I'm a part of. And I am all about a good, tasty animal prepared to perfection. In fact, right now, I'd like to remind each and every one of you fine folks out there right now that when you step outside, if you're cold, then those animals are cold. So, you know, you see some wild ducks, some deer, uh, you know, squirrels. Uh, bring them inside. Warm them up. Uh, by warm them up, I mean cook them. And, and, you know, just be prepared. Enjoy the harvest of the season. <laughs> anyway, the allegations of the PETA investigation seem to have been verified by the USDA. Uh, the USDA inspectors also found that the dogs were kept in cages in temperatures above 85 degrees for several hours without air conditioning. That multiple dogs had several medical problems. Gee, imagine that. that we did say it was a puppy mill, didn't we? I seem to recall using that phrase earlier. So several medical problems. And that nursing mothers were often refused food for as much as 42 hours. However, the USDA did not issue any fines or penalties to the facility after the inspections. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Oh, well. Federal government, what can you expect? So now the Post also reported that the NIH had contracted uh, the parent company to buy beagles for research more than a dozen times, totaling about $1.2 million in taxpayer funds. An NIH spokesperson told the Post that the dogs had been purchased from the facility, quote, in the past, but no future purchases are planned. 
The Post also reported that multiple major research universities, including Temple, Virginia Tech, North Carolina State, also had contracts with the parent company. Now, the senior vice president of PETA, uh, Ms. Tabana Nachmanovich, uh, really no disrespect intended. I'm just uh, accidentally butchering your name. I apologize. Anyway, the PETA senior vice president of cruelty investigations confirmed the findings in an interview with Fox News, uh, talking with Will Kang. She also confirmed the USDA's investigations, adding that the investigation is ongoing. When asked by Kane why beagles were the choice breed, the answer was that the reason was that the beagles are small and docile, gentle, loyal dogs who are so submissive that they are easy to torture without threatening the safety of the researchers. Now, the NIH along with the director of National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and chief medical advisor to the president, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the second greatest doctor of all time, right behind Dr. Jill Biden. Uh, Well, Dr. Fauci came under fire back in October. I, I, I tried to remind you about that a minute ago. Back in October, after a report found that the NIAID funded cruel experiments on dozens of beagle puppies in a lab in the country of... What happened? What happened? Sorry, guys. I lost audio for just a second. I'm not sure exactly where where that ended up at. Uh, I, the, the country was Tunisia. Uh, I, I don't know... I don't know what else you might have missed on that brief little thing. But uh, anyway, weather is starting to get a little wonky uh, here at the studio. So uh, bear with me. Uh, I may have a few more issues like that. But I'm going to try to edit as as much as possible if need be. If the breaks remain small, I I will keep them small. But anyway, uh, in Tunisia, we spent U.S. taxpayer dollars to send these uh, uh, puppies there to be utilized. So the real question now becomes... Did these folks really know uh, the deal? I mean, obviously, buying beagles is uh, something that they do. These uh, beagle puppy mills would not exist if it wasn't lucrative. Researchers do research on these animals. Uh, the question is, how cruel is it? The The folks in Tunisia went so far as to remove voice boxes so they wouldn't hear the yelping anymore. Now, I get it. If you you don't want to work in a lab where you can't hear yourself think, uh, but at the end of the day, maybe the bigger question is instead of finding a way to mute the animals, maybe you should simply find a better way to do your research. If you've got to be so cruel that these animals are in so much pain and discomfort so much of the time that they have no choice but to bark like that, I, I think there's a better solution. I think it's rather cruel what you did. And I, I, I don't find very many occasions where this PETA, the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, and I have a lot of common ground. 
which is why I really like talking about this story, because, again, this is one of those rare occasions where we have some common ground. We're in agreement on this one. This not only is unethical treatment of the animals, but it's downright cruel. It's abusive. It goes beyond just experimentation on these poor things. They took out their voice boxes, and then they put them in little cones so they couldn't do anything, and they were testing all kinds of stuff against insects infections. And come on. You want to tell me there's not a better way to do that? I'm not going to believe you if you try to tell me there's not a better way to do it. Something tells me if we keep going down this particular rabbit hole, we're going to keep finding more things that are going to anger and disgust us. And I know in the grand scheme of things, there's enough stuff going on to people that we should probably be focused on that. But, you know, I can sit here and say uh, Grandma got killed by uh, Andrew Cuomo because he kept putting COVID patients back in the nursing home. And eventually Grandma's vaccine wasn't strong enough to protect her. So uh, then I'm going to be the one who gets sanctioned. I'm going to be the one who gets banned from social media platforms. I'm going to be the one who's treated like I'm the criminal because Chris Cuomo can be called out. I'm sorry, Andrew Cuomo can be called out in a criminal complaint saying that he did uh, violate uh, standards of behavior, that he did engage in sexual uh, misconduct, and yet yeah, there's not going to be any criminal charges. Now, Chris Cuomo, he's got his own issues, and he should probably be facing some criminal stuff, too. But uh, you know, between the true uh, Cuomo brothers, I'm no longer sure which one truly is uh, not Fredo. I still think it's Chris. But, you know, again, both of them are kind of very Fredo-esque. Only we're not allowed to say that because, according to Chris, that's a slur that's the equivalent of the N-word to the Italian community. I really don't think the Italian community uh, is that worked up about a, a Godfather reference for the not-smart brother. I really don't. I've yet to meet one that's really behind that. I've yet to meet one that really agrees with that. And I know a few Italian-Americans. I mean, still strong connections to, to Italy. A few of them, I think, still strong connections to, well... We'll just say uh, the family and leave it at that. And speaking of leaving it at that, we are at the end of the first hour. So guess what? It's time to leave it at that. Uh, let me reset the hour because most of you fine, fine folks that are listening on the radio uh, stations for the rebroadcast, you're typically hearing this, you know, one uh, hour at a time. So uh, let's let's do that. We're going to do the rebroadcast uh, reset of hour one into hour two. So if you're listening to the podcast or if you're listening live, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. If you're listening to the radio station, be sure to tune in again tomorrow at about the same time. Uh, and presumably, you'll get to hear me then. Uh, if you don't get to hear hour number two uh, on the radio, uh, come check out the podcast somewhere. Meanwhile, don't. Don't take my word for any of it, but please, whatever you do, don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, to use your brain. If you really 
want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe out there as best you can. Stay healthy if you can. And, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learn to hate the public schools, watch TV. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year. It's just another New Year's Eve, another night like all the rest. It's just another New Year's Eve, let's make it the best. It's just another New Year's Eve. It's just another old Lang Syne. But when we're through this new year, you'll see we'll be just fine.
damn you when hello and welcome to today's broadcast of tapping to the truth hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats of course with you as always i am your ever so humble host and you know mostly peaceful while i'm doing my Postly duties. Uh, I am Tim Tapp, and I am coming to you from historic, lovely, beautiful, scenic Roan County, Tennessee. And again, uh, I'm still occasionally asked by new listeners uh, things like, "What are those caveats?" or "Why do you, why do you talk about the entire county and tell instead of telling us exactly where you're at in the county?" And that's because I have ties, strong ties, to every part of the county. And I've been known to broadcast from various locations within the county. Uh, generally, I'm down here in Rockwood, uh, uh, broadcasting out of the uh, primary studio. But I have been known to broadcast from Oliver Springs. I've been known occasionally to broadcast from Kingston. I've been known to broadcast in Harriman, uh, even from Midtown a couple of times. And, uh, you know, at this point, I would imagine uh, with the ability to start doing some uh, remote broadcasting, may even uh, hit parts of Oak Ridge, may eventually um, have broadcast from every part of the county eventually. In fact, I may even occasionally stop by wherever I can get an internet connection and just broadcast from somebody's uh, driveway. Say, yep, that's it. Last uh, address in the county. I have literally broadcast from the whole county. Uh, so uh, at this point, though, obviously I have not done that. Uh, and, you know, clearly I probably would not because this is a very rural county. We are we're about 35 miles outside of Knoxville, and uh, if I go into the wrong driveway, I'm likely to be uh, needing to avoid buckshot on my way <laughs> as I'm peeling out. Not very conducive to, to quality broadcasting, although it certainly would be exciting uh, for you guys. Uh, just not so much for me. I do not have a lot of fun uh, trying to get uh, <laughs> trying to avoid buckshot. It is, it is not a good thing. Uh, at any rate, uh, glad to have you guys here, as always. Uh, thankfully, uh, we are still going strong, and we are getting ever so closer to the brand new year. Uh, for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on great radio stations across the country, stations like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. I just usually go to them uh, when I'm thinking about this just because they were the first uh, terrestrial station to be part of the Tap into the Truth broadcast family. And uh, for that, they'll always have a very special place in my heart. And uh, hopefully you guys are uh, digging it uh, out there in Utah as I bring a little East Tennessee flavor to Utah's Talk Authority. You know, uh, they're during the uh, the hiatus this year that, that there was... Uh, there were some times when you guys got really tired of hearing rebroadcast of older stuff, and I don't blame you. That's why I do the frequency of the show as it is, because if I'm going to be on five days a week in Utah, I need to be talking about new stuff at least four of those five shows. I would imagine, you know, it's something you haven't heard before. Otherwise, why would you continue to listen? It gets real boring real quick, and that's bad for the station, it's bad for the show, and it certainly doesn't get you guys to stop by uh, tapintothetruth.com, that's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com. It doesn't get you stopping by any of the associates uh, that I, I am connected with, uh, hoping to send business their way, and thereby hoping to get a small commission if you guys make the sale, you know, uh, support the show while you guys get something that you want, or 
in some cases, maybe even need. Uh, and uh, I assure you, when it comes to folks like My Patriot Supply and uh, Hero Soap Company, uh, those are definitely some items that you need. It's not just a uh, good idea. It's a necessity. Okay? And we'll talk about them uh, at the half-hour break. In the meanwhile, let's get started with hour number two. This is, in fact, the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast. Uh, given uh, the day of the week, I would imagine you will get to hear this rebroadcast. However, there's also a really good chance that you will not get to hear both hours of the next broadcast. And so if that ends up being the case, then I would highly recommend you go ahead and uh, go to wherever you listen to podcasts and um, see if you can't track down Tap Into the Truth where you're at. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the places you can find the show is AHA Radio. And I kind of came across this strange uh, situation where uh, while they have had it uploaded previously, uh, just periodically I'll go kind of go back and check and see uh, if everything's uploading correctly. And uh, some of the broadcasts that had been there previously have been taken down. Uh, but the show's still there, and like the last show that's still up there is from back in 2019. So uh, I, I haven't had a chance to reach out to them yet to see if we can't figure out uh, and fix what's going on with that feed. But uh, clearly, not getting a lot of new stuff there. So if you're listening on AHA Radio, uh, <laughs> hopefully you'll get to hear this at some point. And uh, sorry, uh, I mean, if the guys at uh, KYAH thought it was bad listening to stuff from... Uh, less than a year ago. Uh, imagine what the folks are uh, thinking when it, it just kind of comes to an abrupt end uh, in 2019. Uh, so, you know, what are you going to do? But at any rate, the point is, wherever you hear uh, podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher.com, uh, iTunes, did I say iTunes already? Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, Podaddict, uh, wherever you might listen to them, you can find this show. Uh, so if you're listening on the radio and you want to check out the things that you miss, please, that's where you need to go, one of those locations. And if you're not already going there, and if you can't remember any of those, uh, you also are welcome to just stop by tapintothetruth.com. Uh, there is a past broadcast page that will allow you to uh, seek out past broadcasts. Imagine that. So, uh, again, tap into the truth. That's T-A-P-P into the truth.com. Uh, yeah, just give it a visit. Uh, visit, uh, check out all the different stuff that's there. I know it looks like I haven't done much with the uh, site in a while, but uh, usually on the homepage, I now near the top have a list of recent guests. And since I haven't scheduled any guests in a while, that hasn't changed much. But all those links are still active. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in some of the books from some of the previous guests, uh, follow those links. They'll take you to Amazon and you'll have a good chance to check those out and maybe even... Uh, maybe even make a reasonable purchase. Uh, prices are probably lower now than they were then. Okay, with all that being said, it is time to get myself banned from social media once again. Uh, the fastest, quickest, most guaranteed way. Uh, no, I'm not going to call Joe Biden a name, although I could. A lot of them, you know, yeah, Beijing Biden, barely there Biden, uh, pee pads of Operation pee pads and knee pads. I come to think of it, I do call him a lot of names quite often. Uh, am I really calling him names, though, or am I just using creative descriptors? Because I, I think those descriptions are fairly accurate. 
uh, as opposed to just being names. No, no, anyway, it's not an attack on Biden. It's not an attack on Harris. It's not an attack on the Clintons. I would never attack the Clintons. That doesn't get you banned from social media. That gets you strangely committing suicide. So I'm definitely not going to do that. No, I'm going to say something about COVID-19. More specifically, I'm going to say something about Omicron. You see, Uh, According to the headline I came across before coming on air, Omicron, not the same disease as previous COVID variants. Okay, I didn't realize we needed a a primer on what defines a new variant. Clearly, there's something new and different, or else it's not a new variant, right? I mean, have I missed something there? Uh, I don't know. But let's get into the article a bit, and then we'll discuss. So there's a new COVID-19. The new COVID-19, that being Omicron, is not the same as the old COVID-19. Not according to John Bell, a professor of medicine at the University of Oxford and the UK government's life sciences advisor. Quoting here, the... Incidence of severe disease and death from this disease has basically not changed since we all got vaccinated. And that's really important to remember. Now, this was from an interview on BBC Radio back on Tuesday. Uh, Back to quoting the horrific scenes that we saw a year ago. Intensive care units being full. Lots of people dying prematurely. That is now history in my view. And I think we should be reassured that that's likely to continue. Okay, so maybe I'm not going into uh, social media exile alone because something tells me that the good professor, something tells me that Mr. John Bell, professor of Oxford uh, is probably going to be canceled too. Anyway, on the new Omicron variant that's now spreading, he said, quote, the disease does appear to be less severe and many people spend a relatively short time in the hospital. They don't need high flow oxygen. Average length of stay is up Apparently three days. This is not the same disease as we were seeing a year ago. All right. And this is not a newsflash. Not if you've been listening to reasonable people talking reasonably about Omicron. Not if you've been listening to me. Not if you've been listening to Anne Ubellis. Not if you've been listening to Don Smith. Not if you've been listening to anybody over on over on the Blaze Network, anybody over at the Daily Wire? John Bell is not the first person who has a career and expertise in this type of topic to even say that Omicron may be God's blessing to us because Omicron appears to be the least dangerous variant, the least dangerous version of COVID-19 and appears to be so contagious that it will, in fact, be the driving force behind achieving true herd immunity. We've heard other people make these statements. So he's not a new voice expressing the same idea, but it is noteworthy because 
there are more and more people that are stepping forward, people with expertise in the medical field, people with expertise in microbiology, people with expertise in health policy for governmental entities that are coming forward, and they're still an honest attempt to try and silence them and discredit them. All of a sudden, people who had been great sources of information are uh, suddenly crackpots, tinfoil hat folks. They're insane. They're insane. In fact, if you hear them coming, remember, it's scary because they're crazy. Okay, sorry. I occasionally get carried away with sound effects. Okay, so researchers for a new study also say that Omicron appears to be milder than the Delta variant, leading to up to 80% fewer hospitalizations. That is a, a research paper that we discussed slightly, uh, uh, scratched the surface just a little bit. We talked about it uh, just a couple of episodes back. Now, of the people who contract the virus and are hospitalized, which is very few, they're also 70% less likely to be admitted to an intensive care unit or be put on a ventilator compared to those with Delta. The Daily Mail reported on that particular study, led by South Africa's National Institute for Communicable Diseases, saying, quote, so even though cases of Omicron were less likely to end up in a hospital than cases of Delta, it is not possible to say whether this is due to inherent differences in virulence or whether it's due to higher population immunity in November compared to earlier in the year. This, of course, professor of medicine at UK's University of East Angela, uh, uh, Mr. Paul Hunter. Now, uh, he does have a point here. I mean, it's a legitimate point. Is it really so less dangerous because it's just less dangerous? Has it evolved to become less? And it appears so. It appears that's at least part of it. Maybe that doesn't explain the nearly 80% less dangerous. Because you do have to wonder uh, how much the therapeutics that they're still calling vaccines, how much does the therapeutics play into helping provide a certain level of protection so that it doesn't affect you as bad when you do have a breakthrough case? Because we hear from supposed expert sources. I got no reason to doubt them. They, they do have the credentials. I, for one, don't think credentials are the end-all be-all, although I'm not going to scoff at credentials, especially somebody who has a good track record of being correct on such things. But so according to these experts in the field, that has played a part, that breakthrough cases are uh, less likely, but when you have them, you're going to have a better level of protection. So, you know, if if we're going to to put aside any disbelief we may have and just take them at their word, okay, that could be a factor. I think it's way more likely that the total number of people who've had COVID at this point and who've gotten better at getting that natural immunity, which, again, the Israeli studies show is uh, several times uh, better 
uh, protecting you from future incidences of COVID than any of the therapeutics that are available. But even then, if you've got the natural immunity from having had it, or if the therapeutics that they're referring to as vaccines, if you've had your shots, if you've gotten the jab and, and it's actually working like they say it's supposed to, which, you know, some people maybe it even does. I don't know. I, I don't want to sound like a, an anti-vaxxer. I don't want to sound like a, a science denier. But at the end of the day, there's still so much up in the air. I don't know. I'm just saying that it's pretty clear, pretty clear that natural immunity that comes from having gotten it is a much more protective kind of immunity. That's all. And so how much does that natural immunity uh, help to protect you and how much of it is that Omicron is really just that different? I don't know. But another study found a lot of the same things as the South African study. And we talked about that also uh, last time we got together behind this microphone, uh, a separate study out of Scotland by scientists at the University of Edinburgh, along with a few other experts. They suggested that the risk of hospitalization was two-thirds less with Omicron than Delta. Now, those numbers come out uh, not quite that 80% less that South Africa said, but it's still pretty high numbers. You know, 66%, that's what two-thirds happens to be, um, still pretty high. And maybe uh, in the Scottish study, they were looking at folks who uh, uh, maybe they didn't have quite as many folks that had a natural immunity or possibly hadn't had the jab. So maybe that's why it only appears to be two-thirds less than that 80% that South Africa claims. That study also pointed out that nearly 24,000 Omicron cases in Scotland were predominantly among younger adults ages 20 to 39, who, again, with no, cormo, cor, bah, with no comorbidities, yeah, that's not such a hard word that I seem to be having a hard time with, my East Tennessee tongue betraying me, blah. Okay, so again... 20 to 39-year-olds, if you're in that age group with no comorbidities, you're not at a particularly high risk of needing to be hospitalized. Hospitalized, anyway. Now I'm getting all tongue-tied. I'm thinking about it too much now. So, you know, that's a factor. Young people are much less likely to develop severe cases of COVID-19, regardless of what variant you have. Now, again, it doesn't mean that you're entirely safe or that you're immune or that you're immortal. It just means that you're, as long as you have no comorbidities, means you're in much better shape in dealing with the COVID. Uh, quoting here from researchers speaking to the, uh, to the AP, this national investigation is one of the first to show that Omicron is less likely to result in COVID-19 hospitalization than Delta. These findings are encouraging. Meanwhile, according to a report from the British government, which will release uh, the early data in the coming days, the Omicron variant of sars CoV-2 is milder than the Delta variant. The UK Health Security Agency, which operates much like the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, you know, the CDC over here, they found that those who contract 
Omicron are less likely to become severely ill compared to people who get the Delta variant. This even uh, uh, according to data that uh, was released in Politico. Quoting again this from the Politico report, more people are likely to have a mild illness with less serious symptoms, probably in part due to Britain's large number of vaccinated and previously infected people, and possibly because Omicron may be intrinsically milder. See, they they really hate to give that part up, don't they? They really hate the idea that they might have to acknowledge that slowly, little by little... We're moving to a point where COVID is simply less dangerous. That COVID, despite having been created in a lab, and if you've seen all the data, all the information, if you know anything about microbiology, there is very little doubt. If you have any doubt left, I don't know what to tell you. There's very little uh, question on the matter. This was created in a lab. Now, I don't believe that it was intentionally released. I think it got out because you had people who really have no idea what they're doing. Not a surprise. Folks working at the Wuhan lab that had no business working at the Wuhan lab. So as I'm rushing to try and finish the broadcast now, and the weather is getting yet weirder and weirder, I'm going to try to to hold out. And if you start to hear weather in the background where it gets so loud that it overwhelms the studio's sound dampening, uh, just understand that I'm, I'm trying to get this done for you guys. Uh, so if you hear some choppy interruptions, the flow of the audio doesn't work out uh, very well, it's probably going to come from that. All right, so anyway... To, to try and wrap up where uh, where I was at, we continue to hear more and more frequently how mild Omicron is. But you're still not seeing a relinquishing of the fear tactics. The fear porn is still in full effect. They want you scared to death of Omicron. And we're seeing sports be affected. We're seeing children be affected. In fact, I have some serious concerns about how children are being used in this case. Why is it all of a sudden that something that is much more mild for the adults is supposedly hitting children so much harder? Children have generally been relatively safe. In fact, most often in previous variants, the children normally are uh, asymptomatic. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm glad about that. And also, don't get me wrong, if these children are getting ill and need to be hospitalized, then they need to be hospitalized. But right now, there are more children that are being hospitalized with Omicron than uh, probably all the previous variants combined. And that leads me to the question of why. Is this really hitting these kids that much harder? Or is this an act of desperation? Is this... And again, I'm asking. I'm not trying to promote the idea, okay? I don't want to sound again like some tinfoil... I got plenty of tinfoil hats. This isn't one of them. This is not a story where I'm like, 
Yes, definitely. I'm. I'm going to tell you that right here, clearly, the 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 demons are are doing this from from the secret base on the dark side of the moon, and they're turning the frogs gay, and and they're just sending the kids to the hospital for no reason. Now, that's not what I'm saying. However, I am left wondering why all of a sudden this particular variant that seems to be much milder for everyone is sending more kids to the hospital. Would this be an instance where perhaps in a last-ditch effort to try and maintain fears over COVID-19 in the general public that they go after the children and try to make it look like the children are much sicker than they really are, that need to be hospitalized when probably all they need is to go home and have some chicken soup and stay in bed for a couple of days. I, I, I'm just wondering. And it would be different. I would love to be completely off base, and I, I really hope I am, although kind of not because if kids really are getting that sick, that's that's terrible. But... I, I would love to to be in a world where that just sounds so ridiculous that nobody would take me seriously. But you kind of have to if you know the truth. If you know the truth about when COVID first came out and everything that was reported as a COVID death. I mean, there were people that died in motorcycle accidents. There were people that died in hunting accidents who were shot. Oh, well, they got COVID, though. Okay, it's a COVID death. They went to great lengths to bump up numbers of people hospitalized and particularly who died uh, of COVID-related complications. And if they're willing to do that so blatantly, so obviously, to be caught red-handed and still be unapologetic about it, then they're not above putting kids in the hospital for the no better reason than saying, well, you know, they're kind of sick. Oh, no, they have Omicron. I mean, if you're a parent and your kid's already kind of sick and you think they're sick enough that you had to take them to the doctor, uh, then you're going to hear something scary sounding like, it's Megatron, I mean, uh, Omicron. I still say Omicron is like a transformer name, sorry. But, uh, you know, you're going to have some panicked parents. Especially if these parents happen to be uh, low information folks, you know they they haven't read all these scientific studies. They're they're not up on the science, and they're just taking CNN's word for it. And you know, heaven help them. But uh, there's a lot of folks out there like that, and not necessarily their fault because they're busy and they don't know any better. I just wish they would take the time to get to know better. But beside the point. I'm going to float it out there. I think it's a possibility that uh, some of these numbers are inflated. I think some of these people, uh, some of these medical, trained medical professionals are going ahead and admitting some of these children into the hospitals. Then they know they don't really need to be, but they're doing it because they still want to instill the type of control that comes from the fear that they keep implanting. I, I, I think that's a possibility. I'm not saying that that's the reality. I'm certainly not saying that that's the case in every case. And it's probably irresponsible of me to even say that part out loud, but it's it's not the first time I've thought this. And while I'm not hearing anybody else say this, I can't be the only person thinking it. There's got to be other people thinking the same thing. And I think ultimately we just need to find out because if this is the variant that starts attacking children instead of adults, 
then we need to know because then that does change the playing field as far as how we need to to deal with this and who we need to protect. It just seems extremely odd. And it seems out of the norm when it comes to standard viral evolution that a virus that has become less dangerous suddenly has become more dangerous for a very specific age group that typically had very rarely had any risk at all from that earlier versions of that same virus. Just very weird. All right, we're slightly, just just ever so slightly past the halfway point of the hour number two. So uh, don't go anywhere. We will do that brief little uh, mid-hour break, and then we'll take it on home with a final topic. Uh, Stay right where you're at. I'll be right back. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year. No more champagne and the fireworks are through. Here we are, me and you, feeling lost and feeling blue. It's the end of the party and the morning seems so gray, so unlike yesterday. To say Happy New Year, Happy New Year, may we all have a vision now and then of a world where every neighbor is a friend. Happy New Year, Happy New Year, may we all have our homes are where to try if we don't. The Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution states that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy public trial. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the penalty for trespassing on government property like the United States Capitol Building is six months in jail, plus $1,000 maximum penalty. Yet, Americans who went into the U.S. Capitol Building on January 6th have been detained for more than 10 months. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and five other representatives have discovered that those still locked up have possibly been physically abused and in some cases denied medical care. Allegedly, authorities are committing misprison of felony by knowing about certain individuals being put in solitary confinement before being indicted. I urge you to join me in contacting our representatives now and demand the January 6 Americans be released today. Thank you, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, for checking in on those still locked up while the Biden regime abuses this entire republic every single day. I'm Ron Edwards. If you want the best coffee ever, simply go to theronedwards.com and place your Christmas order now for Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America.
right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. As always, I am honored and humbled that you've chosen to stay with me this long into the show, especially if you're listening to the podcast. If you have been listening, that means you have stayed here for nearly two hours. It's been over an hour and a half, and so thank you so very much for being here. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, We are closing in on the last segment of the show and one of the last broadcasts of 2021. So I hope you guys will continue to uh, stay with us as we move into 2022. There'll be no shortage of more news, more interesting things. Uh, Remember, I'm wishing each and every one of you a very happy new year and, uh, you know, spend it as part of tap into the truth listening audience. It's uh, it's not a bad way to to spend part of the year. I want to take this opportunity to remind you folks of please, especially if you're listening to the podcast, uh, to go to today's show description where you will see links to two of my favorite companies that are uh, affiliates with the show. Uh, that, of course, is My Patriot Supply and Hero Soap. I mentioned them earlier. Uh, if you will please very kindly just uh, copy as a full length in its entirety down in the show description, uh, paste that into your web browser, uh, go visit. Uh, if you decide to buy something, make sure you still buy it while you're under that link. So they know I'm the one who sent you. But, uh, even if you just go visit a few times and see what they're doing different, uh, if you'll continue to do that, if you continue to generate traffic coming from here, that helps me too. Not as much, but it still helps me. So, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Small favor. Uh, and uh, like I said, there's some worthwhile stuff when it comes to, to uh, self-reliance. Nobody's been helping you longer than My Patriot Supply to uh, attain that self-reliance so you can truly enjoy the blessings of individual liberty. Again, individual liberty requires individual responsibility, and part of that responsibility is to be self-reliant. It doesn't matter if you're talking about uh, shelf-stable food. It doesn't matter if you're talking about water filtration. It doesn't matter if you're talking about heirloom seeds. Uh, all of these things are uh, the kind of things that uh, My Patriot Supply can help you with. Just, uh, again, visit the website using the link in the show description. And the same thing goes with uh, Hero Soap Company. This, these guys are the most American first company that I know of. Uh, they're run by uh, veterans. They uh, contribute uh, to charities that operate with veterans, that operate with uh, current live, uh, live, uh, <laughs> active duty was the word I was looking for. Live active duty. I, I don't even know where that came from. But active duty military, our first responders, and uh, just generally they they also source all their materials in the United States uh, and anything that they can't find in the United States, anything they can't source here, they utilize American companies to source those items that must come from outside of the country. So uh, again, about as American first as it gets. They're a great company, and I can't possibly do justice trying to tell you everything about these guys. So please just go visit the websites and check them out for themselves. Use the links in the show description, or if you don't have those uh, links in front of you, if you don't have the show description in front of you uh, a little bit later, just visit tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth.com, and hit 
on one of the banners uh, that's on that homepage. It will take you there along with all the other great companies that I have an affiliation with. And like I said, if you'll just go visit these folks, even if you don't ever buy anything, uh, they'll still see that we're generating traffic from the website, that, that I'm sending uh, potential buyers their way, and that could still potentially help me in gaining uh, future sponsorships. So, yeah, you know, if if you don't mind... I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, it's a small favor, but one that I would uh, one that I would great, great, greatly appreciate. So, uh, thank you very much if you'll at least consider it. Okay, so in today's final segment, uh, I want to discuss the situation that's ongoing because you know we we've been pretty fortunate that there hasn't been some huge event on the national stage, right? I mean, we definitely, definitely don't have an issue with China. We don't have to worry about China trying to attack Taiwan after the Olympics. We don't have to worry about that. Uh, yeah, we, we definitely definitely don't have to worry about Russia possibly uh, going into the Ukraine. Yeah, that's that's not something that's on anybody's right. Or that's nothing to be worried about. You know, we don't even have to worry about what's going on in Iran. <laughs> okay, so now that you've heard me talk like Joe Biden, except it was probably a little more coherent, it's time to take a real honest look around. And the stuff on the international stage, it's not stopping. We're just not hearing quite as much about it because uh, the mainstream legacy media doesn't want to discuss it. However, a uh, headline that I came across today, a former Mossad intel chief uh, was saying that Iran is no longer afraid of diplomatic backlash. So Israel is... Getting ready. Uh, they're ready for military action. So this is something you need to be aware of. Israel is preparing a potential military response to Iran should the Islamic Republic move much closer to becoming a nuclear power. Now, in the past, Iran has uh, Israel has acted against Iran unilaterally when it's been necessary. The international community often does not support Israel when it comes to trying to protect themselves, especially from the Islamic Republic of Iran, uh, who sees Israel as the little Satan, and of course the United States as the big Satan. But uh, they they know in Israel they cannot afford to let Iran become full-blown nuclear power. Iran has blown through limits imposed on it, a nuclear program through the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, uh, that particular agreement that was negotiated by former uh, occupier of the White House, Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama's administration. Uh, U.S. Special Envoy to Iran, Rob Malley, uh, told The New Yorker that Iran is now potentially within three weeks of enriching enough weapons-grade uranium to fill a nuclear bomb. And I'm telling you that anything that he's aware of at that level, they're, they're probably a month ahead of that schedule. So we're in way more danger than we realize. Iran is pushing forward with this nuclear program uh, as a group of countries led by the U.S. attempts to renegotiate the uh, JCPOA, uh, which, again, former President Donald Trump pulled out of back in 2018. And he pulled out because it guaranteed they were going to become a nuclear power. It basically just gave them cover where nobody would bother them while they worked on it. 
All they had to do was occasionally pretend and, you know, do the virtue signaling thing that the left loves so much. So they just had to kind of signal that they were uh, abiding by that. And the whole time they were really working full speed ahead towards getting it. So Trump didn't see a reason to continue to send the money and allow them to continue to become stronger and potentially more dangerous. Prior to Trump's decision to withdraw, U.S. allies Israel and Saudi Arabia had voiced concerns that the JCPOA did not allow for sufficient oversight of Iran's nuclear program. In truth, it didn't really allow for any oversight. Not really. Again, uh, some virtue signaling was all that was asked. The Islamic Republic had repeatedly denied inspectors access to Iranian military sites to ensure that Iran's nuclear program was not progressing towards nuclear armament. Of course, that nuclear armament having been banned in perpetuity under the agreement, but that was kind of a wink and a nod. Yeah, sure, buddy. Uh, Just do what you want right there. And uh, as long as you say you're not going to do it, we'll take your word, pal. Uh, That's all right, friend. You just do that. Anyway, Trump's decision to withdraw triggered the re-implementation of numerous sanctions on Iran and its top officials, business leaders, and partners, yada, 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 which is probably much more restrictive and much more effective at slowing them down in developing these weapons than the deal was that opened up their banks back to Western banks, allowed money to transfer back and forth, allowed us to Send a pallet of cash to them. I'm sure you guys remember all these events. Now, the current occupier of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, barely there, Beijing Biden, has uh, sought to rejoin the JCPOA as Iran has continued to enrich uranium far beyond the limits agreed to in the JCPOA towards the 90% threshold that marks weapons grade. Top Israeli officials, including Prime Minister uh, Bennett and Defense Minister Gans, have warned that Biden's administration against agreeing to the same deal, voicing the same concerns that clouded the deal several years ago. Saying, quote, we don't want to reach a point where we have to ask ourselves how Iran was allowed to enrich to 90%. This coming from... Uh, Zoer uh, Palti, former intelligence chief of Israeli's Mossad and current Israeli defense official. He said that when speaking to The New Yorker. Israel has begun prepping military training for a potential response to Iran's nuclear program. Uh, Gantz has pushed the Biden administration to conduct joint military exercises with Israel during a meeting with the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken earlier this month, uh, quote here uh, from Zoar says that uh, the problem with Iran's nuclear program is that for the time being, there is no diplomatic mechanism to make them stop. There is no deterrent. Iran is no longer afraid. We need to give them the stop sign. Now, Bennett warned back in September that Israel would take military actions against Iran rather than allow the Islamic Republic to build a nuclear weapon. Quoting from Bennett, Over the past few years, 
Iran has made a major leap forward. Iran's nuclear weapon program is at a critical point. All red lines have been crossed. Inspections ignored. All wishful thinking proven false. Iran is violating the IAEA's safeguard agreements, and it's getting away with it. They harass inspectors and sabotage their investigations, and they're getting away with it. They enrich uranium to a level of 60%, which is one step short of weapons-grade material, and they're getting away with it. Iran's nuclear program has hit a watershed moment. And so has our tolerance. Words do not stop centrifuges from spinning. Translation, time is coming. Israel will not just sit back and allow it to continue. They've taken unilateral action in the past in their own self-interest. A self-interest that I might add has also served the interest of the United States and of Western Europe. In fact, almost all of North America. There's a lot of people that should be grateful to the Israelis for being willing to stand up and do what needs to be done on their own when nobody else is willing to, uh, you know, I would say show a little intestinal fortitude, a little testicular fortitude, a little iron spine willing to stand up and say, we don't care what the rest of the world thinks. Israel's right about this. Iran is wrong, and Iran must be stopped. Iran is dangerous. The Iranian people are one thing, but the folks that are currently running the show in Iran, the government, the mullahs, these extremists, they're dangerous. They want to blow up the world. They want to bring forth the 12th imam. That's that's part of their current belief status. That was part of what they were planning from the very beginning when they— had the freaking Iranian revolution when the Islamic revolution took place under Carter, when they came in and took control of the U.S. embassy, every step, every thing that they have done has been part of a plan, and they eventually hope to bring forth the 12th imam. And that'll be your homework assignment, although we've talked about that in the past on this show, but if you're not a longtime listener this is the first you're hearing about it, then I highly recommend you do your own research on the 12th Imam. It's important to understand who and what the 12th Imam represents if you want to understand what the Ayatollah and all the other mullahs in Iran are really trying to accomplish. These aren't Russia. You know, in Russia, they have the bomb. But they legitimately see it as a good reason not to use it because somebody else might shoot one at them. The Ayatollah, the Mullahs, they don't think like that. They're perfectly okay with you dropping nuclear bombs right back on them because their goal is to bring forth prophecy. Their goal is to bring forth the ending of the Christian and Jewish existence on the planet. Their goal is not a political one, but a religious extremist one that most people would prefer to deny even exist anywhere within Islam. 
But there are Islamic scholars that are willing to admit that, yeah, there's a lot of people that believe this, and there's a lot of people in Iran, particularly those who currently control the theocracy, that believe the 12th Imam is already among us. They just need all the other steps for the prophecy to be fulfilled to bring them forward. If they get to the point where they have nuclear weapons, they will use them, and they don't care what the consequences are because they genuinely believe that they're moving forward the prophecy, which they will then be rewarded uh, as Allah will give them their 72 virgins. And little do they know it's a bunch of zit-faced uh, teenagers from a Star Trek convention. But, hey, uh, you get what you get. Uh, the world's kind of crappy these days. <laughs> it's insanity. You need to know. You need to understand who you're dealing with. And then you have to thoroughly understand what the motivations of these people are. You can maybe talk nice to Kim Jong-un. You can maybe find a way to cut through some red tape and, and to have some diplomatic uh, connection to Vladimir Putin. You can possibly even find a way to delay the inevitable with China as long as you uh, play nice the way that, uh, that they, they want you to play if they think they're, they're getting what they want from you. Because they have other motivations besides world destruction. The Ayatollah and the Mullahs in Iran, they don't. Everything they do is a step forward to come closer to bringing forth the 12th Imam and bringing forth the end of Christianity and Judaism and every other religion that is not their exact form of Islam. So they're after other Muslims too. Is if you don't understand these things, you really need to do the research. Read their material. Read the legitimate translations of their material. Read the Hadith. I don't study them to convert, but read what they have to say. Read a Quran. Read the Hadith. Read the freaking biographies of Muhammad the pedophile, the illiterate pedophile who many in Islam still believe to be the perfect man. And again, this is not intended to be a crack on all Muslims, but nobody's been hurt more by Islam than Muslims. And they've done some pretty nasty things to Christians and Jews. But uh, if you're not the right kind of Muslim, then you're in danger from whatever kind is dominant in the region you're at. Now, not all of them uh, are on a one-way ticket to try to bring forth the 12th Imam, but the people running Iran, they are. So it's dangerous. It's, it's not enough for you to say, well, we really don't want Iran to have nuclear weapons because, you know, we're trying to keep the numbers down. We weren't happy when India and Pakistan ended up with nuclear weapons. It's very dangerous especially when they don't get along very well. Always constantly concerned that eventually one of them might, might shoot one at the other. This isn't like China having nuclear weapons where they don't want you to shoot back at them. This isn't like North Korea having nuclear weapons where China will keep them reined in. 
This isn't like Russia having nuclear weapons where they want world domination, but they're not quite ready to to take a uh, a freaking shot to the heart of Moscow. These folks, they don't care. They believe if you do drop a bomb on them in retaliation and you get them, that you've just sent them a reward for having done the job of killing the little Satan. Israel is a target right off the bat. And make no mistake about it, any place where Western Europe or the United States may have a presence, that's also going to be a target. They want to destroy everything that doesn't meet their image of what the world should be. They do not want to move beyond the 17th century with the exception of being more than happy to embrace the weaponry of the new time. And they believe, they truly believe, they believe so strongly that they're willing to lay down their lives when the time is right. When they believe they're going to accomplish their goal. When they believe they're going to hasten the emergence of the 12th Imam. How's that for a dire warning for the new year? And do you think that Joe Biden is prepared to deal with that? No, Joe Biden wants to get back into this old deal. Joe Biden wants to start sending them money again. Let them bank in the United States. Let them invest in Western Europe. Let them find ways to be more profitable. And let them find ways so they can sneak around the rules. So that they don't have to be investigated. But they can say that they're abiding by the terms of the agreement when they never did. They never agreed well they agreed but they never abided by the terms of the agreement they they just was all one-sided yeah we'll take all that money thank you and what do you think they spent that money on advancing their nuclear weapons program and paying for terrorists in hezbollah to continue to shoot rockets into israel oh yeah and now uh fighting in yemen and in saudi arabia in fact, I'm pretty sure the fighting in Yemen and Saudi Arabia was pretty much all funded by the Barack Obama administration's Palado cash and opening them up. This so-called Iranian deal is what allowed Iran to suddenly be able to pull strings and attack more people than they had previously. They don't even have to do everything by proxy necessarily, but they still like doing the proxy thing because then they get to deny what actual level of involvement they have. It's utterly ridiculous. Something's got to change. We need to wisen up, America. Smarten up, wake up, and, uh, you know, let's go, Brandon. That's going to have to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for being here. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe out there if you can. Stay healthy if at all possible. And, uh, you know, be smart. Even. If it goes against your nature, I'm out.